Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The issues involving the teacher strike, which started this morning. Uh, LAUSD, LA Unified School District. Uh, teachers are going out on strike. Uh, this morning, so uh, when school starts today, for many students, school doesn't really start because the teachers aren't going to be there. They'll be they'll be herded into gymnasiums and uh, the large rooms, auditoriums, et cetera, and I don't know how teaching is going to go on. Well, one of the things that uh, the teachers want is a 6.5% pay raise going back to July 2016. And uh, that's one of the big hangups. Now, they've been offered 6%, but only going back to the last school year and the current one is divided between the two. So that's one issue, the pay. The other issue uh, is the size of the school, uh, the schoolroom itself, and then the issue of whether or not there should be, and I don't know who's against it, uh, a, uh, a nurse and a librarian in every school. Okay, now... Uh, when we talk about the teachers, I got to tell you, some people are saying they're doing okay. Let me give you uh, a an idea of what teachers make. Uh, Eighty thousand dollars a year is uh, a typical teacher. Now, with that, and that seems like a lot of money, doesn't it? I mean, eighty thousand dollars a year seems like a pretty good living for effectively eight months of work, three months off during the summer, and then all the weeks spring break, winter break, uh, that, and every holiday you can think of. There are more holidays during the year, uh, school holidays, than you can imagine, and they're getting 80 grand. Wow. A lot of people are saying that. Now, uh, teachers work their asses off. They work uh, usually a lot more hours uh, during the school year. It's not an eight-hour job because they're grading papers. They're preparing, but... There are a whole lot of people who would be thrilled at $80,000 even working their tails off for eight months of the year. That isn't a bad buck. However, LA Unified, still the teachers don't get paid as much as many other school districts. Matter of fact, it's sort of in the bottom of big city peers. Now, the 6% would bring them a lot closer, but still. Uh, for example, Chicago Public Schools, the third largest school district in the country, has 300,000 fewer students than LAUSD. There, a teacher starts at $53,000. In L.A., uh, they begin at $50,500. L.A. peaks at $88,000, uh, and Chicago peaks at north of 100000 Now, when you talk about $88,000, my God, a teacher is making that much money. To get $88,000 takes decades to get there, and you and you need a Ph.D. A lot of teachers go on with higher education. If you're talking about a, a new teacher who has a bachelor's degree, it starts at 50, and uh, I don't know how quickly it goes up, but it's not going to get much more than, I'm guessing, 60. And, are even, and, and this one, and this is a Daily News article, and I had no idea, full-time teachers in L.A., receive roughly 
uh, $24,000 in health and retirement benefits. Chicago paid $4,000 more, but it seems like, uh, it seems pretty generous when you look at it. Uh, Another benefit is for retirees, uh, lifetime medical, dental, and vision benefits. And here's one of the problems that is going on with uh, teachers in general, the retirement plans. And this is across the board for government. Uh, A risk management firm has calculated that the unfunded liability of the teacher's pension plan is $15 billion. I'm going to tell you, this is going to come home to roost at some point. And it's uh, crazy because of uh, the benefits that are being given to government workers. I mean, this is, you would, getting a government job today is a great thing. The pensions alone. Now, you probably don't have a pension plan. We certainly don't have a pension plan here at iHeartMedia. Most companies don't have pension plans anymore. The government has pension plans and good ones. Now, I'm sure I'm going to get emails from teachers. And uh, keep in mind that I'm a big fan of uh, teachers. Uh, I used to say they're they're underpaid, although I got to tell you, a lot of people would love to have your job. Would love it. Tell you, people who have uh, degrees, uh, bachelor's degrees, for example, in my office, are not going to get a pension plan. Uh, they're not going to make $80,000 a year. I don't care how long they're with me. Well, that's not true. I've got a few. Uh, and uh, they're not going to get lifetime uh, medical and dental. And trust me, you're not going to get four months off. That is not going to happen. Uh, yet, we're uh, talking about a major strike today. You know, I, I think the issue is that uh, the schools are untenable the way they're run. Teachers are not given resources. I think the school district is top-heavy. I think the teachers are have to be uh, have to teach at a, a level, the, a, a lowest common denominator level, because you have so many students coming in that don't have the skills, don't have the English skills, don't have uh, the math skills coming from uh, a, a totally different cultures where the parents can't get involved in the school simply because they're too busy out there trying to feed their families. Uh, the money is so limited in terms of so many uh, it's so many kids. Uh, the Hispanic population, particularly illegal aliens, coming in and they go to school. The kids go to school as they should. Can't take away that, that, that from them, but it forces a whole different way of teaching. And it's to the detriment of the kind of teaching uh, that I had when I was going to LA Unified School District. I actually received a pretty good education. I knew my grammar, used to know my grammar. I had a a good vocabulary. Notice the word had. You know, that's, I used to be able to think without jumbling up words and going off on tangents. I used to be able to do that coming from LAUSD. I'm telling you. Gavin Newsom and the Democrats promised they'd start working on the affordable health care business. They started from minute one. Boy, did the Democrats come to the table running. One of the things that was promised, and particularly by Gavin Newsom, is uh, the affordable health care. Read state-sponsored health care, state-paid-for health care, 
And that was one of uh, their biggest campaign promises. And man, they're going. All right. Uh, right from the get-go, Governor Gavin Newsom announced plan to expand Medicaid to those in the country illegally up to eight, up to the age of uh, 26. Medicaid is the program that pays for medical for poor people who can't afford it. And right now, even if someone is in the country illegally up to the age of 19, coverage is there. Under Medicaid, he wants to expand it to age 26. And back we go. A mandate that everyone buy insurance or face a fine. That has had some constitutional issues, as in you can't do that. And uh, something that I don't think anybody is against uh, other than maybe big pharma and that's consolidating the state's prescription drug pur- purchases in the hope that that's going to lower costs. Well, if you put together more and more people or more and more organizations that together are negotiating, gives you more power to negotiate. That's easy, which is I'm a big, that's uh, one of the issues that I like about a national health plan because the pharmaceutical companies are dealing with one buyer. If you don't like it, we don't buy. Also, uh, Democrats in a bunch of states where they now control the legislature and the governor's office, and includes New Mexico, by the way, uh, are considering ways that uh, people who are uninsured and make too much want money to qualify for Medicaid. See, it's that middle class that gets really screwed. Poor people n- normally do okay when it comes to governmental programs. Rich people don't need it, obviously, because they pay for it all. That middle class gets nothing. And has to pay for everything. And they don't have, you don't have the money that wealthy people do. So in New York, uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio is doing the same thing. And is going to run a public plan to link the uninsured with uh, city hospitals. And the main Democratic uh, theme that's going on is let's go back Let's look at Barack Obama's health care overhaul, Obamacare. Uh, why? Uh, protections for people with pre-existing conditions, which is now in stone, by the way. I don't think you'll see any Republicans, even the ones that scream the loudest, let's repeal, let's repeal, it's all terrible. Uh, that's not going to go away for sure. Uh, ensuring kids up to 26 years of age instead of whatever cutoff an insurance company wanted, usually 21, and uh, so now you get five extra years to uh, take care of your kids under your plan. I don't think that's going to go away. Uh, that's for sure. So those are the two items pre-existing and uh, the 26-year-olds uh, are now going to be uh, able to be covered. That's not changing at all. I mean, that's the third rail. Once you get it, you ain't giving it up. That's for sure. So what is going to happen? Well, here's the problem, and it's legitimate. If you don't have the mandate, then younger, healthy people aren't buying insurance. They're not because they're younger and healthy and young people are invincible, right? Remember when you were 20, 25, uh, 30? Nothing's going to hurt me. So you don't buy, which means that the only people that buy are older, sicker people, which makes the premiums go through through the roof. And with the cost of medical care going up, it becomes untenable. You know how much I pay? It's it's scary. Uh, by the way, I didn't even notice uh, because they just added another $500 a month to my policy over the last year or two. I didn't pay attention. $36,000 a year I pay for medical insurance. 
It's gotten to the point where, you know what? Kids, if you get hit by a truck, it's on you. I just, you know, at what point do your, are your kids not worth it? And at $36,000 a year, that comes really close. And so we're at a point where the cost of medical, uh, the cost of insurance, uh, the kind of medical you get. I'll tell you one thing, uh, and I thank God we have President Trump. Uh, who has said over and over again, if we get rid of Obamacare, you'll have beautiful health care. I think that's what he used, the word beautiful. You'll have better health care. You'll have better doctors, although I don't know how you get better doctors uh, as far as health care, but that's fine. You'll just be far better off with no insurance whatsoever. And incidentally, I think it's one of two things. It's either that or it's you have to have some kind of a universal plan. I've said that over and over and over again because the, it is untenable the way we have it now. And uh, California is running towards a universe, at least a California health plan. And then you have to figure out the cost. I mean, it is so astronomical. Basically, you have to figure out, but we have to rethink what government is all about. It is that dramatic. It is that insane. But- I'll tell you one thing, we're going in that direction, certainly here in California and in a bunch of other states. And then you have the red states that are going the other way. Uh, it's going to break down. The, the analogy I'm going to make is Roe v. Wade. That's exactly it. When Roe v. Wade gets overturned, and I think for the most part it is going to, not the basic premise, but enough uh, little bits and nibbles where it's going to disappear by, uh, you know, a thousand cuts at a time kind of thing. Uh, it Not at a time, but, uh, you know, little drip, drip, drip pieces disappear. And that is going to be red states, blue states. You know, and uh, when it comes to blue states, it'll be paid for by the government. And in red states, the doctors go to jail for 25 years. Uh, and uh, that's where I think healthcare is also going to go. Uh, we talked to Andrew Molenbeek on the first day of the strike. All right. Uh, the other massive story that's going on here in Southern California is uh, the LAUSD teachers for the first time uh, in 30 years are, uh, well, no longer preparing to strike. I'm assuming they are on strike. Andrew Molenbeek, uh, who is there, and I don't know where because it really doesn't matter because the teachers aren't there. Uh, Andrew, do I have that right? And where are you? <laughs> hey, uh, good morning, Bill. I'm at John Marshall High School in the Los Feliz area. And you can probably hear just next to me here, that's the sound of teachers on the picket line. Dozens right now are wearing ponchos, holding umbrellas. About 30 minutes ago, they had a rally really to coincide with what would have been the start of the school day uh, to kick off the strike. Uh, really not ideal weather conditions to be on the picket lines, but they're here. Um, again, most people holding umbrellas. They've got the bullhorns out. Uh, even a bass drum is going by me here. Uh, but the plan is to do this, they say, as long as it takes. Uh, the last strike, as you mentioned, it was 30 years ago. That lasted about two weeks. Uh, we've been talking with the union to say how long or to ask how long they're prepared to go this time. They won't give specifics, but they just say they'll go as long as it takes. How about the students? Are you seeing any students going into school? Uh, I've seen a few, but more so what I've seen is students standing alongside the teachers, but that was kind of for this little news conference that they had at 730, so that was a bit organized, but they did have some students holding signs and with the teachers. At the moment where I am, it's actually difficult to see with all the rain and everything like that how many are going in. I've seen some, 
But again, the, the school district is trying to encourage people to actually show up to school today across the district. There are going to be staff there, whether it's the school district staff or some subs that they've hired, but it's nowhere near how many people would be there on a normal day. More than 30,000 teachers are on strike, and the school district has hired a couple of hundred subs. So it's going to be a much different atmosphere than usual. So as they're marching around, uh, I, obviously this is radio. I'm not there, and I'm not looking at it. Uh, I imagine there are a bunch of teachers and ponchos, as you said, with these cardboard signs that are turning into oatmeal. Uh, has that happened yet? Yeah, they're looking a bit wilted at this point. Uh, in fact, there's one going by me right now that has kind of some uh, holiday lights on it. I wonder how long that one's going to last. Uh, some teachers are holding their picket signs under the umbrella to try to preserve them. Uh, but uh, some, some already look pretty worse for the wear, the signs I'm talking about. Uh, dealing with the conditions. I, I do want to mention, of course, that the whole purpose, according to the union for this, uh, that they say that the class sizes and staffing are the main issue. It's really yeah. not the money because both sides have already agreed to a 6% pay increase. I just talked with an English teacher a uh, short time ago. He was actually part of the previous strike 30 years ago. And the thing he told me, he says he has 55 students in his high school English class. And he said just to be able to accommodate them, he has to go to the cafeteria every day and borrow seats so everybody can sit yeah, down. That, and, and that is untenable. I mean, the teachers are right on that one, that it's gotten to be the point where it's uh, completely crazy. Uh, now, uh, do you happen to know if uh, the uh, the school district or the uh, teachers union has a strike fund uh, to pay the teacher something? Because if you're on strike, you're not getting unemployment. Right. And, and that's been the question that we've been trying to, to get specific about, but the union won't say. Um, they just said that, uh, you know, teachers are going to go without pay, but they haven't talked about the strike fund, how long teachers might be able to get a check from the union. So we haven't gotten any specifics about that. Uh, the other thing, over the weekend, there was no new offer, really no new talks at all between the union and the school district. The last formal time they sat down was Friday, and, of course, they walked out of there at the end of the day saying, no deal, we can't come to an agreement. Uh, so there was some thought that maybe over the weekend an offer would be sent over. That did not happen, and at the moment, there's nothing scheduled for these two sides to sit down again. So we don't know when a new offer might come forward or what, if anything, the new governor is going to do because the uh, the school district has asked the governor to step in and try to get involved to resolve this. But so far, we don't have any more movement between the two sides. Now, I'm assuming that you, you received the information as to this picket line uh, as of a press release. Uh, so you knew there was going to be a number of people there. Do you have any idea if other schools have a good number of demonstrators around them? Yeah, I, that, I tried to figure that out on the way over here because, yes, this one was coordinated for the media. All the, the TV trucks and radio were all here. Uh, but I did drive by some schools en route, and I did see not the size of this gathering, but I did see teachers standing out in their ponchos and umbrellas holding signs. Uh, so maybe not the, the size of this particular rally, because this one probably has 50 to 100 teachers that I'm looking at right now. But uh, a couple of other schools when I was driving through the valley, I did, I did see some. Yeah, I just have this visual, Andrew, of uh, the, the ink on these posters running down the face of the posters like uh, Tammy Faye Baker's makeup when she's crying. <laughs> I will say that most of them seem to be prefab, so they're they're printed in such a way that they're not right. running. But those homemade signs are the ones that uh, are a little bit droopy. But All right. All uh, right. it looks like most of these signs are holding up. All right, Andrew, thank you. I uh, just can't get away from that visual, can I?
If you thought 17 Republican candidates in the 2016 election were bad, let me tell you what the Democrats are doing in the choices that people have. Uh, Last time around, the 2016 election, uh, up to the election, there were 17 Republicans. Do you remember that debate with 17 of them on the podium? I mean, it was crazy. Well, that's nothing compared to what's going to happen with the Democrats. And man, what a choice folks have. I mean, I've never seen anything like this. When it came to the Republicans, it was mainly white guys. That was it, you know, conservative white guys. Uh, Not this time around. Fresh faces, old hands, 30-something senior citizen, billionaires. Uh, One of them, well, one person, still paying off student loans and running for president. A skateboarder. And that's a legitimate run, by the way. A brewery founder, a coffee magnate. Uh, Wow. Now, uh, a lot of politicos are saying, you know, this one's a mess. This is way too many. Uh, The rules are all gone. But a lot of Democrats are exhilarated uh, by the prospect of how many choices. So uh, the earliest candidates to announce, uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren, oh, she hasn't announced yet. She has a staff of 75 people, and uh, she's been going to all of... Uh, the early states, uh, and camping out, uh, New Hampshire, uh, Idaho. So uh, she is the first one, right? Woman, uh, more traditionalist, except she's so wildly left-wing and, of course, uh, uh, claims uh, uh, Native American blood. And so if she gets it, she'll be Pocahontas. Uh, A Latino, former San Antonio mayor, Julian Castro, Uh, He announced uh, Senator uh, Kamala Harris, our senator, a black woman, uh, announced uh, she's on a book tour right now. Uh, And as John Thomas Thomas told us, that is the perfect way to go around the country and not announce. And it doesn't and it's not political. Uh, The questions are about her book, not about her record, not about her politics, just about her book and how and all these books are the same, how to be a better person uh, while cooking cornbread. And here's a recipe. Uh, it's all exactly the same stuff. All right. Uh, you've got three white men involved. You've got Vice President Joe Biden, former vice president. He is far, by far the most traditionalist. He is old school. Uh, he is old, period. But by far the most experienced candidate that exists. He was uh, 30-something years in the Senate. He was eight years in as vice president. And he is so well-versed in foreign affairs, uh, probably the most competent man in the country to run on foreign affairs. And he uh, will become the instant frontrunner simply because of his name recognition. Uh, you have uh, another white guy, interesting guy, 46-year-old guy, Beto O'Rourke. Uh, when he ran uh, against, um, oh my God, of course, uh, Ted Cruz. Sorry about that. When he ran against te- Ted Cruz, he became uh, a national sensation. Uh, why? The live streams of his skateboarding, uh, driving uh, uh, around, um, uh, and uh, driving and cooking while, uh, it's just crazy. And he is the youngest of uh, the hopefuls. 
Uh, you have uh, California Representative Ehrlich Stalwell, Stalwell, who has no chance, but he still owes $100,000 on his student loan. So I'm assuming if he wins, uh, it, we eliminate student loans immediately. <laughs> He's going to out Elizabeth Warren, Elizabeth Warren on that one. So three dozen Democrats either in the race or saying they're considering, and uh, it is going to be crazy, and it's going to be fascinating. And so where are we sitting? It's Here's the problem with a Joe Biden and Elizabeth Warren. Fresh new faces. Democrats are looking at a fresh new face. So how do you get a fresh new face? Well, Elizabeth Warren could always go to Liftique. And uh, by the way, that was, I was paid to do that. I just want to let you know the Liftique folks made sure that I put that in somewhere. Uh, God, it's so funny. Uh, anyway, uh, Senator uh, Harris, Kamala Harris, who is young and uh, and has some creds uh, and is perfect, was, it, I think, African-American father, Indian mother. I mean, dot Indian, not feather Indian. And uh, although, can you imagine if she were Native American on one side? What, what would Elizabeth Warren say? Uh, Kirsten Gillibrand of New York, Amy Klobucher, or Klobucher uh, uh, of, I don't know how to pronounce her name, of Minnesota. Uh, so these are potentials. But keep in mind, as we don't know any of these people, when the primary started in 2016, the Democratic tr- primaries, uh, 18 months before that, no one knew the name of one politician that came out of Chicago. No one had ever heard of him. A guy by the name of Barack Obama. And keep in mind, at that point, Hillary Clinton was the heir apparent. She had the nomination, which she lost. Donald Trump, everybody knew who he was, but who would have ever figured out that Trump was going to win the nomination a year before? Crazy. Remember, he had announced three times, and every single one of them was a joke. Well, the joke was on us. Remember when he came down uh, the escalator at Trump Tower and he announced his presidency? People were laughing. Those people have since been arrested, by the way. I just want you to know that. Uh... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you're an enemy of Trump, you stay an enemy of Trump. So we've got uh, Castro, uh, a Latino, two black senators. Uh, you, uh, By the way, you have another African-American uh, who could be running, Eric Holder. He's being told to run or is considering uh, the nation's first black U.S. attorney general under uh, Obama. Uh, governors, who incidentally probably are, I think we've had more governors become president than any other job, only because governors uh, govern States. I mean, it's an administrative head. They have legislatures to deal with. They have budgets to deal with. And so just by the nature of the work they have done, it's uh, it's more experience. At least you can argue that. Also, media billionaire Michael Bloomberg invested heavily in Democratic candidates. Uh, he's considering uh, and uh, he can write a check. Uh, former Starbucks chief, chief executive Howard uh, Schultz. 
Uh, he could run, and it's free coffee for everybody in the country. Ooh, I'd and, vote for him. Oh, and it, see? I'm telling you, <laughs> that works. And so uh, where is it going to go? Who knows? But it's certainly going to be fascinating, to say the least, as this thing pans out. And Bernie Sanders, let's not forget Bernie Sanders. Very old, very left-wing, and uh, just, I mean, where are we going to go with this? The choice left, right, Latino, uh, you've got white old guys, you have Hispanics, uh, women, I mean, and, and combinations thereof. Congress is now investigating Trump and how close he is to Putin, and I think there's video of them having sex. I don't know yet. The other big story uh, is what's going on with President Trump. What a starter. We start a Monday with a story about President Trump and an accusation coming from the Washington Post, the New York Times, which immediately uh, is suspect uh, for so many people because the hatred of Trump runs so deep with those two publications. And this has to do with uh, the inquiry into uh, President Trump and his connection with Putin. Now, this is not new, the allegation that they're just too damn close, that uh, the president has treated uh, Putin on a a whole different level. Uh, For example, denying there was any Russian interference whatsoever at any time, even in light of allegation becoming truth after truth after truth of interference, Russian interference, And the president kept on, nope, nope. Why do you say no, Mr. President? Because Vladimir Putin told me no. And if he tells me no, then it's no. 17 U.S. intelligence agencies have told you yes. I don't believe them. I believe Putin. All right, we know that's already there. Now, the new information that has come out is uh, that the president... And Putin, during the times they had conversations, the president has withheld details. And to the point where even the interpreter's notes were taken by the president, the interpreter was told, you do not release any information. And what the president did is kept those talks secret, which has never happened before. There's two ways of looking at this. Uh, Well, before that... uh, The FBI, uh, even as uh, when Trump was a candidate, started an investigation that he was so close to Putin that the president, then the candidate, and then the president uh, risked uh, the security of the United States. This is the FBI. I mean, is that unbelievable? That the president of the United States is being investigated by an, an, an investigative agency of the United States... And they're wanting to find out, was he risking U.S. security by what happened with him and Putin? Considering that he has been so pro-Putin as to people just shaking their heads. Wait a minute. This isn't right. There's something very wrong here. And the other thing, now we find out that his conversations, his private conversations, we're not going to know what happened. And he's making absolutely sure that Parts of those conversations or all those conversations are being hidden. Well, okay. Uh, and we don't know what happened to the investigation. I don't know. I assume they dropped it. Uh, that's, that story is uh, not being told. 
So Representative Adam Schiff, who now leads, he's here in California, our representative here, leads the Intelligence uh, Committee now, and he is saying, all right, investigations now start. We knew that. And he, has this point, asked his Republican colleagues, hey, support our efforts to get notes or testimony from the interpreter. And Schiff wrote on Twitter, will they join us now? Should we find out whether our president is really putting America first? Now, the Democrats had asked for an investigation of this since those meetings. The Republicans shut down those requests. I'm talking about in Congress. Well, it's a different animal now because now, since the committees are headed by Democrats, now it opens it wide up. Now the investigations start, and there is nothing the Republicans can do about it, much like there was nothing the Democrats could do about it when Republicans were in charge. Okay, so officials are blind to the dynamic, even the dynamic that happened between the two leaders, other than uh, the president saying wonderful things about Putin and in in testified questions. Okay, by the way, the investigation uh, of uh, the influence by Russia really went through the roof when Trump fired James Comey. So uh, an explosive story, I think it's fair to say explosive, a story has come out that the FBI, uh, especially after James Comey was fired, investigated whether Donald Trump himself was a national security risk. And that he was putting our country at risk in his relationship with Putin. Because it just, you know, there was too much there. You know, they, he did, Putin did not interfere. Russia did not interfere in our election at all. Why? Because Putin told him. And the 17 investigative agencies, intelligence agencies, the United States, well, they were just lying. It's a hoax. It's Putin who's telling the truth. I mean, that immediately goes, wait a minute. And now uh, we're finding out that uh, during uh, Donald Trump's meetings with uh, President Putin of Russia, that the interpreter notes were confiscated by the president. And the interpreter was told, you do not talk about anything that happens. And that's the first time that's happened. Presidents always share, it's certainly with their inner circle, with the intelligence folks, what the conversations were like. What was the demeanor of uh, the other side? What was said And none of that. And so this really explodes. Because the allegation now is, is the president more on the side of Russia than he is the United States? And that's the question. Of course, the president's gone berserk, as you would think he would, as I think any one of us would. And he is saying that that story is a hoax, which I don't understand. Either he did or he didn't confiscate the reporter's notes. And I think the hoax part is that he put America at risk. I think just the question is a hoax. So what's going to happen as a result of this? Well, first of all, for opponents of the president, there are no innocent explanations at all. Doesn't matter what he says. For supporters of the president, uh, this just shows he is making sure there are no leaks. And this is a non-traditional president pursuing new approaches to old problems. He just does it differently. And not only is there nothing untoward here, he's just doing a terrific job. So now, wow, 
if it turns out to be true, and I don't think, even if it's true uh, that he did put America in some riskier situation and gave Putin some information that he shouldn't have, I don't believe that he did it maliciously. I don't believe that he did it purposely. I think it was, if it, if it happened, it's more a question of naivete on his part. He just doesn't understand how government works. He just doesn't get it. And so he's just doing a Donald Trump style and to hell with tradition, to hell with laws, uh, to hell with protocol. I don't care. I'm going to make it happen because that's how he rolls. Now, if it is not true and this is uh, simply an interpretation which has no teeth to it, this is a gift to the president. This is the ultimate, well, it's and ultimate gift because there are going to be so many. Taking something that the president has done, accusing him of something seriously wrong, in this case, a, a national security violation, putting our country at risk. And the Washington Post, the, the media, the FBI, remember the dark state, accusing him of doing something because they hate Donald Trump. And he goes to his base and say, look at this. I'm representing you. I'm representing America at its best, and I'm being attacked for it. And that's exactly the way his base perceives it. The wall, to his base, the wall is truly an issue of national security. And I'm willing to bet, and this is just supposition, this is just me speculating, so I'm not going to point anything. If you took a poll of his base and were to ask, what is more important to you? Paying those federal workers or building the wall. I think they would say that wall is the most important thing we can do. That wall is the end-all, be-all of the existence of this country. It's such a risk that that's happening to us and will happen if that wall is not built. I absolutely believe that that is President Trump's position. Because there's nothing to indicate that it's not. At all. And right now he's getting the blame for it. Now, on the other side, do does Congress just say, okay, let's negotiate. You can have half the money, have $2.3 billion. Start the wall. We're not going to hold. We're, what is more important to you, Democrats? And that is paying federal workers so they can pay their mortgage and eat? Or is it not caving in to Donald Trump and giving him one dime for the wall, which has been the position of the Democratic leadership? Interesting questions. The best things in life are free, but you can give them to the birds and bees. KFI handle here, and uh, good morning on a uh, January 14th. Uh, Jason uh, Middleton. KFI's business and tech experts uh, at KGO Jason and his show Techonomics on KGO up there north uh, Sundays from 12 to 1 o'clock. Jason, thanks for hanging on with us. All right. Now, let's just start. There's a lot to cover. PG&E, I've been saying it's going to go bankrupt. Uh, It's being sued for about a trillion dollars in its role for starting uh, the fires, uh, particularly up north, the Paradise Fires, with bad maintenance of its power lines and the argument is uh, they're the they fell down they're the ones that caused the fire so uh let's talk about a utility going bankrupt and what's going to happen here okay because pg and e is 
public and private, right? Some of the state owned. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking.、Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and、uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It, it does have shareholders. Obviously, it floats bonds and debts and things like that. The lights are going to stay on. I guess that's our that's our lead, right? But it's going to get rocky from here on out. So apparently today. PG&E is going to tell its employees it plans to file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. That starts the clock. That means that on January 29th, they can officially file for bankruptcy protection under Chapter 11. Now, the reason this gets messy is once that happens and the utility of this size, and we'll talk about that in just a second, but what happens basically is the judge becomes the CEO of a utility. Now, I doubt that that judge has a lot of experience running a huge utility like PG&E. So, this could, that's why it could get rocky on a macro well, kind of sense. Now, he'll bring someone in, obviously, a, a special master is what they're called,、uh, who will actually run it. Or theoretically, he could even keep、uh, management in place, couldn't he? Yes, he could. And uh, uh, to your point, yesterday the CEO、uh, resigned, Gaisha Williams, I want to say.、Uh, she, she resigned yesterday, replaced with the general counsel. At PG&E. So you have a lawyer in there at CEO. So if they do go in, the board is comfortable with having a lawyer in the, in the corner office if we go into Chapter 11, which looks almost inevitable at this point. Because to your, to your point at the very top of, the, of our talk,、uh, the exposure to risk and liability here is, is huge. It's, it's up to $30 billion in liability. The company's only worth $10 billion, and it only has $1 billion or so and some change in cash on hand. So, its exposure is huge. It's lost two thirds of its value since the Paradise Campfire.、Um, it's, its bonds are down to worth 84 cents on the dollar, so they're junk, officially junk as of last week. Shares have thrown off 22% just in, since last Monday when they first said they were going to start floating this idea of Chapter now, 11. Now, Chapter 11 is not a liquidation, although I'd love to know. Well, it could liquidate and another utility could pick, all,、uh, pick it all up for probably、uh, a song. But Chapter 11 is simply stopping all the lawsuits, stopping the liabilities cold while the court figures out what's going to happen. A plan to pay back、uh, those people that are owed money, creditors, a plan to possibly limit the amount of money、uh, that people who are suing、uh, are going to get.、Uh, so, at what point、uh, does the state come in and say, okay, we've got to keep this thing going? Pending a、uh, final adjudication. Well, look, Gavin Newsom has already said in a statement that his administration has been in constant contact with PG&E, the labor unions, and the regulators. So there won't be any disruption. So I'd say, as, as far as, as we said, the, the clock starts you know, today. So on the 29th is probably when Gavin Newsom has to、yeah. come out on a very strong political stance. Yeah, the only thing that we can all guarantee is that the money you owe for utilities will never、uh, diminish or go away. Uh, that's going to keep on going. Is that fair? Yeah, that, that's fair. But, but you're right. Once this process starts and it starts getting a little hinky because everybody's fighting to be first in line to get paid.、Yeah. Right? And so, especially like I think the retirement funds for California is an institutional investor in PG&E. I imagine their lawyers are going to want to be first in line because of the massive、yeah. 
you know, responsibilities with that fund. Yeah, for sure. And uh, inevitably, the rates have to go up because of the liabilities, because the court is not going to eliminate all the liabilities. That's important. It's impossible. All right. Yeah, you're totally uh, right about that. All right. Let's start moving uh, about uh, debt and uh, Gen Xer and uh, the younger boomers, of which I happen to be one. And uh, I was talking to a friend of mine who also is 10 years younger than I am. And we were talking about at some point the debt just tips over and we're we're at the point where we were when the recession started in 2008. It just couldn't sustain itself anymore. Which, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I, you're totally right. I had to look up a couple of things. I, I called a friend over at Bankrate.com who got me some numbers. And you, you mentioned Gen X, which I am, and you're a younger baby boomer. But actually, the paying down of debt is, according to a recent poll, across all age groups. And the optimism among the youngers in the workforce is actually the is, is actually pretty good. It's, it's six in ten. Sixty percent of millennials think that things are going to get improved this year for them. Uh, paying off the debt, of course, for those of us who are a little bit older, the average household debt right now is one hundred and thirty six thousand. That includes a mortgage, which makes me laugh. I'll pause here for for laughter among the California uh, homeowners. But it counts mortgage, credit cards, student loans, and auto loans and all that. So 136000 and we're all trying to bring that down. Of course, in California, mortgage is much higher. We don't have to get into that. But, but I do see that that is more important. Paying down debt is more important right now than in making more money at work, which I thought was an interesting tipping point, given that the wage increases since the Great Recession have been so tepid until very, very recently that we haven't really seen any wage growth keeping up with, with inflation until Q4 of last year. Uh, now the focus has switched over to debt now that we're seeing our paychecks go up just a little bit. So, but that's good, really good news that uh, we've gone from an economy where people spent money like like drunken sailors <laughs> to where we're a, a little more careful and saying, okay, you can't, uh, you can't be that much in debt. I mean, the pressure, I've been in debt before. It's been a lot of years uh, because I was very careful at some point, mainly because when I got married, uh, Marjorie shoved me into paying off my debt. Let me tell you, the pressure of being that much in debt is crazy and sometimes just can't get out of it. But it's good news. I'm talking about macro that uh, we want to save our money or less than the debt. Wouldn't uh, comment on that, please. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'm, t- I'm totally with you on that. And I- I'll add anecdotally, too, that my credit score pretty much doubled after my wife got a hold of my finances, too. Um, building up the retirement fund and building up the emergency fund are the top two things that households are looking at for 2019. That is a good sign. You're right. Wages up 3.2% annually as of December. So that's showing some lift ahead of inflation. So that's about 1.5% above the inflation rate, which is the first time that, in- that good inversion, not a bond yield inversion, but the different inversion has happened since the Great Recession. So yeah, it- it's okay to be a little bit optimistic going into this if, if you're trying to pay down your debt. But I don't think that we're going to see like a huge spike in wages or anything this year. I think we're just going to see slow and steady wins the race. Yeah, and keep in mind, I, I love it. If you think about actual numbers, uh, if you get a raise of 1.5%, uh, and that's assuming you put into uh, into the formula inflation, uh, and you're making $50,000 a year, it's uh, effectively a, what, $550 raise per mm-hmm. year? Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem like a lot, uh, but... Doesn't and but, corporations but, you know, over a couple of years. Right. I mean, you know, and, and corporations, if they only made one and a half percent, the CEO gets fired. Right, uh-huh. that's that's true too. And and we you know with the stock buybacks that we saw a trillion dollars worth of stock buybacks last year, that kept a lot of CEOs in office maybe a little bit longer than they would have usually. Right. All right, Jason. We're going to come back and talk about uh, it, what's going to happen with the economy and watching uh, and watching uh, bank earnings, and then uh, we've got. Uh, 
overpaying for a home. CNN just did a story. And are the homes way overpriced? Well, certainly here in Southern California they are, or California in general. And we'll come back with Jason on that one. This is KFI. Let's check in with Jennifer. KFI Handle here on a Monday, January 14th. Thanks for joining us. The uh, big stories we are covering today, uh, of course, the teacher strike starts this morning. And I think classes are going to start any minute or classes are not going to start any minute. And we'll be talking to Alan uh, Andrew Molenbeek a little bit later on at 8 o'clock, who is there at uh, where the teachers are not. Sort of a double negative there. All right. Uh, Back we go to uh, Jason Middleton, our uh, business and tech expert. Uh, Jason, there's a story uh, that CNN is uh, carrying, and that is how to avoid overpaying for a home. Explain how that's humanly possible in California, would you please? (laughs) I'll do my best, Bill, but um, you're right. California is always kind of a seller's market, right? But in the data, at least the data I saw from Q4 uh, that was shared with me, it shows a plateau, right? So the year-over-year price increases for homes in California has actually slowed down. So it's almost at parity, like 1.5% from December to uh, 2017 to December 2018. So that means that it might, it's, it's almost equal, in equilibrium right now, and for California, that's hard to do. Um, your market down there gets started in February. So does our market up here in the Bay Area. So we'll see. We'll have more better data, if you will. Did I just double that? Yeah, I just did that. More, we'll have more betterest data after Q1 of this year, uh, and then we'll see how the rest of the year kind of plays out. Things up here, at least, were starting to slow down pretty significantly in, in Q4. And, and it wasn't just the prices. It was the volume and the listings, too. Uh, we're starting to last a little bit longer. It used to be you could put a house on the market and you'd have bids within hours and sometimes could be closing by the end of the week. Uh, but now that seems to be getting out to like 12 days. And for the Bay Area, that seems like a long time. I think Southern California is on par with about 12 days, too, as an average. If they, we see that creep up a little bit, well, then it becomes a little bit more of a, of a buyer's market for at least a little while. So uh, let me throw something at you, and that is uh, in terms of uh, people buying or rush to buy, uh, if the thinking is no longer, we better buy now because next week it's going to be 10% higher. Uh, if that has disappeared, how much slower does the market get once uh, the news of, uh, as you say, the equilibrium is here? I think that a large part of that market effect is going to really come down to the mortgage rates, right? So we saw a, a bit of a spike uh, late last year in mortgage rates, they've come back down now. So that might actually help the market stay healthy if you're a seller because you're still incentivized to kind of – I think you're, I think rather than outpace the price of a house, you're trying – it's sticker price, you're trying to outpace the mortgage price, right? Because that, that's, that's the one that's going to accrue over the 30 years. And so – those two factors together have to be watched. I mean, you're, I mean, it's a very top. You were so right. Selling and buying a house is, is an art and a science. And you're trying to price the market, which is impossible. It's a fool's errand. But you can, you know, study your comps, get as much data as you can, look at, like I said, the quarterly data that's available online. Um, Paragon Real Estate, I'll just go ahead and plug them because they provide me with such great real estate data for California. Um, you can go there and check it out. So that's, it's really, it's an art and a science. But look, there's nothing better than making an offer. Even if you make a lowball offer, it's better than making no offer at all, right? And then California, that seems to be what keeps things moving. That and low inventory. People just don't, we just don't have enough housing, period, across yeah, and, the state. 
And they're making it impossible down here, at least. And I'll have you uh, comment on that as a uh, as a last part of the segment. And that is, uh, it's there is lip service being made uh, here in Southern California to building more housing. They make it impossible with the regulations, the rules, the zoning requirements. I'm, I can give you horror stories, personal horror stories, that while, oh, yeah, we want more housing, we're going to make it Almost impossible for you to build it is the same problem up there. And I'm not talking about space. I know San Francisco and its environs. They're simply an issue of real estate space. I'm just talking right. about, hey, why don't you let us build without crazy stuff going on? Yeah, it's the same. It's the same thing up here. This really requires political leadership and political will to solve this in California. Uh, Scott Weiner is a state senator from San Francisco, a former, former soup up here. He has legislation pending in the Senate that would make it easier to build around transportation hubs. Uh, kind of like it reminds me of like the the red line stopping in North Hollywood, and you have that that housing that went up around there too. That that had to have some political will around it, I would imagine, because even even at that space before the train line went in, it was still kind of even for the valley, it was expensive to to you know buy in North Hollywood. It's expensive to buy anywhere. In oh California. yeah, it's cr- it's crazy. All right, Jason, thank you. Uh, the show is uh, Techonomics on KGO Sundays, twelve to one, and then. Uh, Jason's uh, website is uh, social media at KGO Jason. Jason, take care. Thank you. It's a pleasure, Bill. Thank you. And uh, he's uh, absolutely right. It is a pleasure being on this show. I couldn't agree more. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.